Hello everyone and welcome to Breaking the Barrier, the podcast that hopes to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Actually, you know what? Take that back. We don't hope to. We will inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Let's be positive here today. Um, It's Zach. I'm back. It's just me. There's no Andrew. Uh, today for this recording but you know what I'm not going to cast any shade on him because I let him down Uh, I was meant to catch up with him this afternoon to do a podcast and work got in the way and I wasn't able to make it so instead I'm making it up to him I'm making it up to you by giving you a race recap a mini episode a race recap talking about my experience about a week or so ago now at the 2023 Warburton Trail Fest Lumberjack Ultra Uh, Almost a year to the day for when I did this uh, event uh, a year ago. That's why it's a year to the day. It's funny how these things work out. Uh, And this event is always on the Labor Day long weekend here in Victoria, Australia. So it's one you can plan around. Uh, It's a 50k trail ultra uh, with about a thousand meters of climbing. And yeah, it's run by the Two of the Trails mob, uh, who I had great things to say about last year in terms of the way that they organized the event and, and sort of made it all run. And, and again, this year they've, they've done a bang out job. Um, it really is a, a great event, the Warburton Trail Fest, um, in terms of what they put on and, and the, the facilities and the capabilities and the support that you get, both in person and, and on the socials. So yeah, straight away, shout out to the Two of the Trails mob for all the, the good work that they do. Um, this was a, a, an interesting year. So last year, 2022, um, we were told at the start line, this is going to be the year to set a PB. Uh, the course will never be as good as the course is in 2022. So make the most of it. Uh, and I went out and managed to complete the 50Ks in five hours, 56 minutes or so. Uh, and there was a course record set in 2022 as well, just to show you that they weren't fooling around. They actually did mean it when they said that it was a, a ripper of a course. Um, I had no expectations this year going into the event that I would go sub six hours. Uh, I was trying to manage my expectations to not try and go sub six hours again because I want to leave a little bit of something in the leg for this two weeks period. Not in the leg. I said leg singular. Hopefully both legs will have something in them. I can imagine doing some of the events I'm going to do over the next few days will be very difficult if I'm trying to do it on one leg. Um, Amazing for those people who do do it on one leg only. Uh, For me, I've got use of both legs, so I'm going to avoid the whole hoppy hop thing and try and do a bit of left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot action. So yes, my tactics in terms of this event was not to go out and try and set a new PB, but try and save a little bit in both legs for what I'm calling March Madness, where I've got another 50k to do in less than 48 hours or so. In fact, hopefully uh, 48 hours from now, I'm well and truly done in terms of my second 50 kilometer for this period. And then only a week from now, um, I will probably be 10 hours or so into the Oxfam 100. So I've got a fair bit of time of legs coming up over the next seven days, and hence why I didn't want to over-rev the engine uh, and overcook the omelette or over-scramble the omelette or some sort of food analogy that I'm making up very badly on the fly. I didn't want to do that. Uh, I wanted to keep stuff fresh. So I, I... That's a long way of saying that I was trying to uh, manage expectations. Uh, Of course, when you get out on the event, you start checking your watch and you start figuring out where you're going. And we'll we'll talk about that in a second in terms of how the actual performance was. 
But in terms of uh, getting to Warburton, Warburton, uh, about two hours northeast of the Melbourne CBD. Uh, for me, that means it's closer to a three-hour drive by the time you try and get across the city at the end of the day and navigate some peak hour traffic. There's no great way to get there uh, on a Friday evening. Uh, both ways that I went versus Simon and Daryl, who also did the event, they went a different way. We both turned up at our B&B, our Airbnb in Warburton, looking very frazzled, looking very tired, um, trying to get some good sleep uh, the night before. But as always, I had my my personal pillow with me, my memory foam pillow that I love. Uh, I had that so I didn't have to rely on the, quite frankly, awful bedding that was at the holiday house that we rented. Uh, it was more like a cotton wool bud pillow arrangement than anything of any real firm substance. So I'm glad that I had my, my memory foam pillow to try and get about six and a half hours sleep uh, before waking up on the Saturday morning at about 5 a.m. So I woke up at about 5 a.m., got some breakfast into me, uh, relied on my good old favorite of a couple of pancakes and maple syrup and a black coffee, got that into myself and then got down to the start line in Warburton where it's not actually the start line, it's the finish line. You then need to jump on a bus and drive it around to another town called Powell Town. And that's where you start the event at 7.30 in the morning. Now, uh, there's a lot of hanging around and milling around for about 45 minutes at the start where you tend to put on your jacket that they make you carry as part of the mandatory gear and, and try and stay warm and, and watch the queue for the toilet um, build up and gradually get more and more panic inducing as the time to start gets near. The, the Warburton uh, Lumberjack Ultra has a unique start where there is no starter gun. It's someone chopping through a log of wood to symbolize the story of the lumberjacks who used to live in the area and used to run down to Warburton every weekend to play footy and go to the pub and go to church before running back to their logging fields uh, on the Sunday night. And so the chopping through of the log signifies the start of this 50k event uh, and pays an homage to those lumberjacks of old. Now, unfortunately, our designated lumberjack uh, had appeared in a couple of films talking about how the logging industry was not that great for old growth forests uh, and how we probably should be a little bit smarter with regards to this natural resource. And so as a result, when he went out to get a log of wood this year to chop through, he found it a little difficult to find someone who would give him one. Uh, he'd been, you know, banned by the logging industry. They, they'd shut him out. You know, he'd crossed the picket line uh, and they weren't going to let him cross back in to get any wood. So instead of doing that with an actual piece of timber, uh, he just wrapped together a whole bunch of cardboard <clears throat> and used a very sharp logging axe to make very quick work of a very flimsy cardboard log. Uh, and so with that, we were off uh, at 7.32 in the morning, uh, heading along from Powelltown to head into the, uh, it's called the Nuji East Plantation, which is the name of the uh, the, the fields there or the, of old pines. Uh, and what we do is you, you run for about 12 kilometers or so, and then head up a fairly dramatic hill called High Lead. Uh, and High Lead is about a two and a half kilometer stretch of 30 degree inclines. That's where I would say 60 to 70% of that thousand meters of climbing comes is within that high lead climb. Uh, you're literally talking about, you know, 20 minute kilometers during that period of time. Uh, you then 
Once you get to the top of High Lead, you head out and run to something called the Ada Tree, which is a big, massive tree. Uh, have a look at that, and then run back, backtrack over your path a little bit, and then head out across the top of the, the mountain there before heading all the way downhill, a big, long 10-kilometer section of just slowly, of, of just running downhill, really testing the quads out. Before you get back into the town uh, of East Warburton, you do a bit of road work, you actually do a river crossing where you have to hold onto a rope and go through knee-deep at least water to get to the other side of the river. Uh, and then you run on the other side of the river, classic ultra-marathon event torture. They make you run past the finish line on the other side of the river, loop up and then run back and you, you complete the whole thing. And, and that's, you know, apparently 50Ks, although both times I've done it, my uh, Garmin has told me I've done, you know, between 48 and 49 kilometers. It's been very consistent though on the elevation. The Garmin isn't sacrificing any of the elevation. It's making me do the full thousand meters every time, uh, but it is shortchanging me uh, officially a kilometer or so against that 50 number. But, you know, plenty of other people I spoke to, their watches did say they'd done 50 kilometers. So I'm trusting the Tour de Trails folks and, and assuming it is a 50. So um, this year, again, you know, with the caveat that I wasn't trying to go out uh, and beat my time from last year and go sub six hours. Um, I was trying to sort of run a little bit conservative, uh, run by feel, not obsessing too much about the watch, but if I looked down and I saw things going a little bit too quick, I, I tried to back it off. Um, having said that, my time at the 11 kilometer mark, uh, just before you start to head up the big hill, I'd been running for an hour 15. Uh, and five seconds. And the year before, I'd run it in an hour 14 and 15 seconds. So I was within 50 seconds at the 11k mark for what I'd done the previous year when I'd gone six hours. So, so much for my conservative pacing. I'd gone out and paced pretty much the same over that first uh, 11 kilometers. Uh, then after that, you start to get into some of the hill work. So kilometers 12, 13, and 14, the pace dramatically slowed. Uh, at that time, you're talking about, you know, one of the kilometers we ascended 265 meters in that kilometer. So that's, you know, 26.5% increase on average over that entire thing. And trust me, some bits in that kilometer were a lot steeper than that. Um, so by the time we got to the 15 kilometer mark, um, last year, I did it in two hours, one minute and 17 seconds. This year at the 15 kilometer mark, I was ahead of that. I was two hours and 59 seconds. So again, goes to show what an absolute rubbish pacer I am. And in terms of trying to manage my expectations and you know not go out and have a big day because you're trying to save your legs, I was actually going faster at the 15 kilometer mark than the year before when I went sub six hours. Um, but you know, like all good stories, eventually the wheels start to fall off. Um, by the time we got to, I don't know, uh, so what happens is when you get to the top of high lead, you go out and you run along a bit of trail that's basically single fire trail. And it's not super technical, but what you have to compete with is the faster runners coming back the other way. Uh, and so my time started to slow a little bit then. Uh, you know, by the time we got to the 20 kilometer mark, I was still a little bit ahead of where I'd been last year. But between the 20 kilometer mark and the 25 kilometer mark, I lost a couple of minutes. So at the 25K mark, halfway through the race, this year I'd been going for three hours and 17 minutes. Last year I'd gone for three hours and 15 minutes. So between kilometers 20 and 25, 
that's where I started to lose time compared to last year. Up until that point, up until the 20 kilometer mark, I was faster in 2023 than I was in 2022. And then I started to back off and lose some time. And part of that is because you need to let the faster runners on this one way track come back faster. You need to step off the track and let them go back, uh, which rhymes, I didn't mean that, but it's nice. Uh, and then when you actually get to the Ada tree bit, the run out to the Ada tree is kind of like a, uh, a four-wheel drive track. It's not super technical, but the run after that is quite complicated. So it's actually some quite complicated single file trail that you're running along and some, some uppy downy bit that you need to push through. Um, and so I also lost a little bit of time there. So by the time we get to the 30 kilometer mark, uh, I had been running for three hours and 56 minutes. And last year I'd done it in three hours, 51. So I've now five minutes off my pace. So, you know, from the 20 kilometer mark to the 30 kilometer mark, I lost five minutes uh, against my time from last year. And, and, you know, we're not talking about huge elevation, you know, nothing like the high lead that I mentioned, but we're talking about a rolling average uh, of about 20 to 30 meters of elevation every kilometer, just ticking along. But I'd say the challenge is more the technical terrain underneath it. Um, when we get to the... Now, overall, what I'm saying there is, even though I was not setting out to go as fast as last year, the events, maybe my experience on the trail, definitely my better fueling. I spoke to Andrew about this a couple of weeks ago, and I said, when I did this event in 2022, I fueled by distance, and that left me undernourished. I felt like I didn't have enough energy. This year, I fueled every 30 minutes. And so I found that my energy levels were way, way better. I was feeling a lot better at the 30 kilometer mark um, simply probably because of fueling. Yes, I'd gone five minutes slower, but the fueling was feeling fantastic. And so at about the 30 kilometer mark, that's where you get to the top uh, of this big descending bit. And from there, you literally have about 10 kilometers of just bombing downhill. And last year, this is where I, I was, you know, quite frankly, made up a heap of time. My kilometer splits on this downhill bit where, you know, I had, I had several that were in the low sixes, a couple of sub fives, in fact, more than a couple of sub fives as I look at it here. And that's probably because of the comment I made at the start, the comment that the race organizers made at the start, which is in 2022, the trails had been cleared, the conditions were as good as they were ever going to be. And I distinctly remember uh, last year running along these trails going, oh, I can see the dirt of the trails. I can put my foot on dirt and I need to be careful of that because there's a stick there or there's a bit of a branch there. I need to be careful of that. And occasionally there might be a tree that's come down across the path that I need to go over. That was not the case in 2023, folks. The trail, I could not see the trail. The trail was just covered by ferns and bark and sticks everywhere. Um, I was unable to, it, it felt like because I couldn't see the trail properly, I was constantly running on a camber on this descent bit that had my foot rolling to the side. Uh, at about the 28, so, so to, to, to talk about the other guys that had been doing the event with me, Simon took off at the start of this race and vanished. Within 30 seconds, I had lost sight of Simon. I had no idea where, I, where he was. He was off, he was gone. Um, Daryl had decided to go to the toilet about two seconds before the start of the race. So just as they said go, he trotted up behind me, having finally left the bathroom behind. Uh, and I left Daryl behind because he was definitely managing his pace as well. Uh, I saw Daryl again 
at about my 22 kilometer mark, his 17 kilometer mark, as we were passing each other on that out and back bit. But I hadn't seen Simon at all. I hadn't seen Simon on the high lead. I hadn't seen Simon on the high out and back. I hadn't seen Simon at the Ada tree. Last year, I saw Simon at the Ada tree. He was right behind me at that point, And I saw him and we had a bit of a chat as we were going in and out. This year, I had no idea where he was. But when I saw Daryl, he said to me, oh, he's actually only a few kilometers ahead of you which I was like, okay, he's taken off pretty fast. Maybe he's pacing himself now. And I thought maybe I could catch him on the downhill bit since I'm, let's be frank, a proven stronger downhiller than Simon is. However, I caught Simon at about the 28 kilometer mark, I want to say. And so we went together into the aid station at the 30 kilometer mark, and then we decided to do the downhill together. Um, Simon's not a strong downhill runner. And I was just... The conditions were such that I was not able to take any advantage of that. The two of us, me being a relatively strong downhiller, him not being that strong, we were just picking and feeling our way down this run, trying to make sure that we weren't tripping over stuff, unsuccessfully avoiding tripping over stuff. Um, Simon fell over, I think he said three times in the end. Um, he rolled his ankle and tripped, um, finished up with a really nice graze down the front of his leg. Um, I rolled my ankle at least once but running behind me, Simon said he had never seen someone look so unsteady on a trail as I looked on this course. My feet and ankles were constantly moving underneath me like I was on ice skates and I was trying to stay upright. So, yeah, compared to last year where I had a great downhill run of, you know, low sixes, mid fives, I was averaging at least a minute or so slower on this downhill bit. So jumping ahead, spoilers. I did not go six hours, uh, sub six hours. I did not hold my five minute disadvantage against the year before and in fact make it up to try and just get ahead of six hours. Um, I finished in six hours, 16 minutes. And that is pretty much all due to my much slower time on the downhill bits. Um, I had some, some bits after we got off the downhill where again, I was faster than last year, which is ironic, but the downhill bits this year were way, way slower for me. Uh, than they had been in 2022. And I, I put it down completely to the trail conditions. The trail conditions were um, such that you couldn't run with as much confidence. It also meant that you were getting to uh, bits of where trees had gone down, like so many more trees went down across this path than the year before. And you know, hit a tree, you've got to stop, you've got to step over it, and you're getting more and more tired. So in the first 20 kilometers of the event, you come to a tree and you just sort of spring across it in a hurdle. You're not doing that in the part. Well, you might be doing that in the sub 20, in the last 20 kilometers of an ultra, in which case I want to talk to you. Me, I'm not doing that. I'm stopping and I'm stepping over it and it's getting slower and slower as time goes on. And also anything that changes your range of motion late in an ultra introduces new muscle spasms. And so I was getting some cramping at one point. At one point, Simon ran off on me on the downhill and I thought, oh, well, that's it. He's going to run off on me now. You know, he ran off on me at the start. I caught him in the middle bit and now he's going to run off of me at the end. And then I went around a corner and he was sitting there looking very sad because he just rolled his ankle again. Uh, and then so eventually I managed to, um, I think when he rolled his ankle for the third time, uh, he just gave up a little bit, whereas I kept running like all good friends do and left him behind. Uh, eventually, you know, got down onto the downhill bit, uh, ran along the road, got to the water crossing. The water crossing was 
fantastic. There was a couple of us crossing at once, so we needed to be a little bit careful with regards to how we pulled the rope to make sure we didn't tip everyone in. And then there was a guy at the other side of the river uh, offering shots of Fireball, which is a cinnamon-infused whiskey, which, to be honest, was absolutely beautiful. I think maybe that's why I enjoyed the last five kilometres of this event this year, um, because I took that Fireball down and it gave me a little bit of a hoot and a holler, uh, and off I went uh, and ran through... The, uh, the caravan park at Warburton and back to the finish line. And yeah, completed the event in six hours, 16 minutes. Uh, Simon was about 20 minutes behind me. Uh, he completed in six hours, 36. And Daryl battled on through the entire day uh, to be out there for eight hours and 29 minutes. Uh, Daryl didn't have a great time. Daryl uh, messaged us just before the big descent saying, this is not fun, I'm not enjoying myself. But to his credit, he got through it. He was a little bit upset that by the time he got to the water crossing, the guy with the whiskey had left, and so he wasn't able to get one of those. Uh, he was even more sad that he had to drive home that night all the way back to the western side of Melbourne, which was another two or so hours in the car with leg cramps. So overall, not Daryl's favourite day. I don't think that one will go down in history for him. But for me, yeah, I got through it unscathed relatively, little sore obviously in the quads and the back and the joints and the ankles and everything from all the technical work but no major injuries no breaks no scrapes no cuts which is which is awesome i was really happy relatively happy with my performance uh, I, like i said i said i wasn't going to go as fast as last year i said last year's conditions were perfect so i was managing my expectations you know could i have gone sub six this year i don't think so i think if i had um, being able to run the downhill like I ran the year before, then I'd be kicking myself for not pushing it and giving myself a nudge to go sub six. But this year, that downhill was just so hard work. Uh, I just really, really difficult. So uh, I'm proud with how I did in the 2023 Warburton Lumberjack Ultra. Um, how did I do relative to everyone else? So it was a bigger field this year. So this year there was... a I look at it really quickly, 138 different people entered the event this year. And whereas in 2022, there was only 114 finishers. So straight away, you've got an extra 24 finishers. Uh, maybe another, was that maths-wise off the top of my head, you know, 20% more people competing in this event in 2023 to 2022. Now, in 2022, my time of uh, five hours, 56 minutes, was good enough to come in 45th place. Whereas uh, if I had been running that same pace this year in 2023, if I'd done five hours and 56 minutes in 2023, instead of finishing in 45th place, I would have finished in 58th place. So of those extra 20% of runners who uh, joined the event this year, quite a few of them came in and went under six hours. In fact, my six hours 16 this year in 2023 was good enough for position 71. Whereas if I'd been able to run a 616 last year, I would have come in position 70. So a full 11 spots different um, this year compared to what I would have got last year uh, if I'd been running the same event. So, you know, more people in the field and dare I say, a better quality field overall. Uh, even if I had ran the same time as last year, I wouldn't have been as high in the slots. So the fact that you know I was slower this year and 
quote unquote, taking it easier versus, you know what, the course was just a lot harder and I was tired. Uh, I think even still, there was a better quality field out there this year than last year. I, I felt that at the very start, to be honest. I, they said go, and instantly I felt like I was in the back third of the event. I mustn't have been because there's no way I overtook 60 people out on the course. But yeah, I felt like I was very, very far behind at this event from the very start because a lot of people just got out and got after it very quickly. Um, but yeah, that's my, uh, my recap of the Lumberjack Ultra. I didn't do any of the other events that they put on that weekend. Uh, they also do a half marathon, a 10 kilometer run. They do a night run. They do a bunch of other events. And I think, you know, discussing it with the guys and everything, I don't know if I would go back and do the 50 kilometer at Warburton again. Uh, but if someone said, I'm going to Warburton and I'm going to be there the whole weekend, I might go and try some of the other events. So go try and run the event that runs in parallel to the 50 on the Saturday, and then try and run two events on the Sunday, uh, and actually do more than one event and see different parts of Warburton from a running perspective. Because I've done the same course twice now. The course is not going to change that significantly year to year, whereas some of the other events run into bits that I've never done before. So I think that's two and done for me with the 50 kilometer Lumberjack Ultra at Warburton, but I'm definitely open, if I could, to go do some of the other events over the weekend. It's a long way to go just for um, like a, a 10 kilometer run. I wouldn't go all the way for a 10K run or a half marathon from where I live, it's just too far. But you know, if conditions worked out, I'd give it a go. Um, so that's basically it with regards to my Warburton Trail Fest race recap. As mentioned, uh, Andrew was recording a podcast today with someone, which we'll put up very shortly. He and I are doing the Brimbank 50 kilometer on Sunday, less than 48 hours away. Tomorrow in Melbourne is expected to be 37 degrees Celsius and then drop down to 20 degrees uh, on the Sunday. So tomorrow will all be about hydration, whereas Sunday might be about trying to stay warm at the start line, which is, which is an interesting predicament to find ourselves in. Uh, and then after the Brimbank Ultra on Sunday, I've got four or five days to recover before I do the Oxfam 100 on Friday the 24th. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed my little foray through the forest at the Lumberjack Ultra. Uh, we hope to catch you next time on treadmills and trails and roads and stairs and, you know, don't do it on roller coasters. That's just dangerous. But have fun. Listen for lots more episodes over the next two weeks and we will catch you next time.